Thanks for joining us in the spring of 2022 for the Adult Study Guide podcast. This quarter, Brother Mark Clements is going to guide us through the books of Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The nation of Israel, while far from perfect, demonstrates for the Bible student God's high standards for his people, how we fail miserably at meeting those standards, and finding grace in Jesus. So grab your copy of the Adult Study Guide or your Bible and study along with Brother Mark. Today's lesson is entitled, The Covenant with Israel, from Deuteronomy 28, 63 through 68, and 30, verse 20. The application for today is that the student will learn of God's faithfulness to his promises as he makes the covenant with the new generation of Israel about to enter Canaan. Seeking the Context The word covenant is used 284 times in the Old Testament. Covenant was God's top word choice to use when he described his commitment to do something for his people. A covenant is a formal and binding promise between two parties. God made a covenant with Noah to save him and his family from the flood, then made a covenant with mankind that he would never again destroy the earth through flooding, Genesis 6.18 and 9.11. God had made a covenant with Abraham that he would make of him a great nation and give him the land of Canaan, Genesis 15:18 and 17:2. As we observe covenants between God and his people, it is God who makes the promise to do amazing things for them if they will simply trust him enough to follow his leadership. God issues the terms of the covenant, but it was up to the people to either embrace or reject God's promise. As Israel stood on the verge of entering the promised land, God once again initiated a covenant with them, offering them the options of either blessings or curses. Israel had received explicit instructions along with God's law, which informed them how to live once they entered their new homeland. No one could claim ignorance if they were found to be disobedient. Knowing they understood his expectations, God proceeded to lay out the blessings of obedience and the curses of disobedience. The choice was theirs to make. They could abide by the covenant issued by God or break their promise to Him. Today, we are in a similar position. By God's grace, He has written a new and better covenant on our hearts, purchased by the blood of Jesus and sealed by the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 9, 12-15 As with Israel, just because God has entered into covenant with us does not mean we are free to do whatever we wish. As we will see today, there are undergirding principles which we must understand in order to make the most of what God has offered to us. God made the offer of blessing for Israel to receive, but to enjoy everything God wanted them to have required intentional obedience. We also must make obedience intentional. Obedience does not happen by accident. As we contemplate how to obey God fully based upon the covenant that he has made with us, we must remember the principles today's text teaches us. Why is it so important to remember that obedience is an intentional choice? Searching the text. Number one, the desires of God matter most. Deuteronomy 28, 63. And it shall come to pass that as the Lord rejoiced over you to do you good and to multiply you, so the Lord will rejoice over you to destroy you and to bring you to naught. And ye shall be plucked up from off the land, whither thou goest to possess it. Who had the idea to enter into covenant first, Israel or God? 
Historically, man has never successfully come to God in covenant with his own ideas or promise of blessing. Noah did not come to God, but God came to Noah. Abraham did not come to God, but God came to Abraham. Likewise, the new covenant in Jesus Christ was not our idea first, but God's plan. As opposed to a contract in which both sides agree 50-50 to do certain things, a covenant with God begins with God looking on his creation with mercy and grace. In a covenant, God's wishes are primary. As Moses unpacked the blessings of obedience, he also explained very carefully that if Israel was not careful to do everything written in God's word, then God would bring severe afflictions upon them. The same Jehovah who had delighted in his people in order to bless them would be delighted to bring punishment upon them for disobedience. In the Hebrew version of this text, the same word for rejoice is used twice, referring to God's pleasure to prosper or to punish. The challenging lesson to grasp here is that God's pleasures, his desires, matter most when in covenant relationship with him. God was the one who chose Abraham, and he was the one who decided to deliver Israel from captivity in Egypt. Deliverance from slavery was not Israel's idea, but God's. Jehovah initiated their journey of deliverance. He is the one who had the power of prosperity or poverty in the life of Israel, not the people themselves. God is the person who offered a covenant relationship to us based on the Son's finished work of Calvary and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. God did all the work. Our contribution was simply to either enter into covenant relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ or to reject his offer. In this covenant relationship, it is God's desires that matter most. If you are a child of God, you exist to satisfy God's pleasures, not your own. Over the course of time, we come to figure out that doing what God wants actually brings the most satisfaction to our lives, so His pleasures begin to become our own. But God has the power to punish or prosper based upon His own desires as we either obey or disobey. It would be very wise to begin each day by asking our Father in heaven what He wishes to accomplish through us today. How can you keep God's pleasures at the forefront of your decision-making processes? Number two, the judgment of God will come. Deuteronomy 28, 64-68 And the Lord shall scatter thee among all people, from the one end of the earth even unto the other. And there thou shalt serve other gods, which neither thou nor thy fathers have known, even wood and stone. And among these nations shalt thou find no ease, neither shall the sole of thy foot have rest. But the Lord shall give thee there a trembling heart, and failing of eyes, and sorrow of mind. And thy life shall hang in doubt before thee, and thou shalt fear night and day, and shalt have none assurance of thy life. In the morning thou shalt say, Would God, if he were even, and even thou shalt say, Would God, if there were mourning? For the fear of thine heart, wherewith thou shalt fear, and for the sight of thine eyes, which thou shalt see. And the Lord shall bring thee into Egypt again with ships, by the way whereof I spake unto thee, that thou shalt see it no more again, and there ye shall be sold unto your enemies, for bondmen and bondwomen, 
and no man shall buy you. Moses transitioned from the desires of God to the decisions of God. It was God's pleasure to redeem and prosper Israel, giving them every advantage to live a blessed life in a new land. The favor of God would be upon them, and all the world would see it and give God glory. If they chose to act faithlessly, it would be just as of God to bring judgment upon them. Moses explained the extreme risks of disobeying God after all he had done for them. If they rebelled against God, he would scatter them across the world where they would be prone to worship other gods. They would become physically and emotionally distressed, uncertain about their future. They would be oppressed by other people just as they had been in the land of Egypt. As Moses explained the consequences, there might have been some listeners who thought the punishment would be too severe. After all, they were God's chosen people. A quick glance at Israel's history shows that these kinds of consequences did indeed happen to Jewish people. They had every advantage of the people of God, but took their relationship with God for granted and squandered many opportunities to bring Him glory in the earth. Perhaps as we read this text, we might also be tempted to think negatively about the judgment of God on His people. We must remember that when God brings discipline upon His children, it is an act of mercy. Like children who'd receive punishment from godly parents for disobedience, we should count the chastisement of God as merciful. Godly parents love their children enough to correct their behavior. When parents choose not to discipline their children, they do not demonstrate love, but apathy. God loved His children enough to redeem them, rescuing them from sin and despair. He is concerned with our future, so when we sin, there will be chastisement. Israel knew the terms of God's covenant with them, and they had every opportunity to please God in obedience. We have the same opportunities for obedient living. What impact does it have on you knowing there are divine consequences to disobedience? Number three, the grace of God gives life. Deuteronomy 30 verse 20. That thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and that thou mayest obey his voice, and that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy life and the length of thy days, that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. Certainly, all Moses' warnings of the consequences of disobedience to God must have fallen heavy on the hearers that day. Maybe the people were listening intently, considering how difficult it would be to perfectly obey everything God had commanded. Then Moses reminded them of some good news. He assured the people that the commandment was not too hard for them to obey. The word of God was not in some faraway land, unreachable by the masses. Instead, Moses said that the word of God was very near to them, written in their hearts, so they could accomplish it. Deuteronomy 30, 11-14. Moses reminded the hearers that while the law was written down for them to follow, God was more interested in their hearts. The law would be broken more times than not, but forgiveness was possible by the grace of God if the people would simply choose to love God and follow Him. Moses concluded this encouraging sermon by appealing to the hearts of the people and urging them to choose life instead of death blessings instead of curses. It was literally up to them to decide which direction to go. 
If they loved the Lord, they would be committed to obeying his voice. Then, after having explained the law of God they were to follow, Moses concluded that it was not the law that gave them life, but God himself. He said that Jehovah is thy life and the length of thy days. Verse 20. Their commitment to obey God's word stemmed from the life they would find by cleaving to God himself. God wanted his people to succeed and gave them every possible advantage to do so, not the least of which was his very presence. In life we go through many dangers, toils, and snares. Sin has damaged everything lovely, and through much heartache we finally discover fulfillment at the feet of Jesus. This is amazing grace. God offers abundant life to everyone that no one truly deserves. The gospel presents abundant and eternal life to anyone who desires to receive it by repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. By choosing life in Jesus, we have chosen to live according to his word. We may stumble and sin often, but we will never cease being his children. God did not need to deliver Israel, and he does not need to deliver us. But because he is loving and gracious... He has offered salvation to anyone who would repent and believe Jesus. How is your life different because of God's grace? Setting the application. The people of Israel would enter the land of Canaan with God's glorious hand upon them. He had brought them supernaturally by his grace through the wilderness and their reputation preceded them. It was impossible to ignore what God had done through Israel over 40 years. Now, as they prepared for the next step of obedience, they were called once more to agree with God as to his expectations. The covenant God confirmed with Israel was his idea. Israel would reap the benefits only as long as they stayed true to their commitment. In their next steps, they were called to remember that God's desires mattered more than their own desires, that disobedience would bring judgment, but that they had the opportunity to choose life because of God's grace. These principles should be applied to each of our lives. Every day, we must remember that it is not our feelings or pleasures that matter most. Instead, we should ask ourselves what God thinks, what God feels or desires before we make our decisions. Every day we must remember that when we disobey God, we will be disciplined as his children, but this is an act of mercy and not wrath. God cares about who we become. Every day we must choose life instead of death. Remember, it, it is by God's grace alone that we even have the option to receive what we do not deserve, namely, life eternal in the presence of God. As we choose life in Christ, we demonstrate the beauty and power of the gospel for others. We are witnesses of the power of our resurrected Savior. We have a message for the world around us, namely, Jesus saves. How will you convince others to choose life instead of death? Thanks for listening to another lesson on the Adult Study Guide podcast. We will catch you next week for another lesson in this great quarter. Until then, join us daily on our daily devotional blog at www.bogardpress.org.